PlayStation's failure to properly redact documents during the FTC hearing against Microsoft has led to some interesting discussions about exclusives and game budgets for very big games. Some people, this was eye-opening to just how expensive it is to make video games, how truly big these games get with respect to how much money they cost. For others, it was insight into the importance of exclusives. For me, it more firmly cemented my theory that timed exclusives will increase due to budget efficiency as well as quality. And an article from GameIndustry.biz really landed the day after I had made an argument. I think it adds fuel to my theory that we're going to see an increase in timed exclusivity. I actually was supporting it, saying that timed exclusivity is not bad. It could actually help quality. I want to lay that out today while looking at this article as well. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning, so you don't have to go searching for it. Make sure, excuse me, it's that time of year isn't it make sure you hit subscribe make sure you hit the bell button so you don't miss out on the content so the FTC hearing had some accidental revelations that came from poorly redacted Sony documents most notably the budget size of Horizon Forbidden West and The Last of Us 2 while some gamers were surprised at how expensive these games were others were quick to question profitability and even comparisons to Halo Infinite's alleged larger budget were made in the wake of this news I theorized that we would see more timed exclusives from a purely economic standpoint and within 24 hours of me saying that there is a gameindustry.biz article that really adds to what I feel is coming so first I want to look at what was said in this article uh, does it agree with me can it can a compelling case be made that exclusivity will increase we're going to see more of it there's actually aspects of the article I don't agree with but overall I find that it really backed up my theory second I want to argue about why I think we will see more timed exclusives. I want to discuss cost, optimization, and what multi-plats may start to look like in the future. And third, I want to consider why we may see a rise in platform exclusives that are not timed and this could lead to a buying war with more acquisitions potentially on the horizon. This is obviously related to the Activision Blizzard deal with Microsoft and how that may prompt more buys and more purchases from other companies. But we also may see partnerships as opposed to acquisition as well. So first, let's just look at this article from GameIndustry.biz. It was the title that caught my eye because I was already sort of discussing what was going on with these big budgets when we saw these poorly redacted Sony documents. This is the title of the article. Redaction errors reveal the economics of exclusivity. Badly redacted documents from the FTC versus Microsoft show why platform exclusivity is such a big deal. A brewing discussion has been that exclusives are bad. Certainly, given more prominence and attention now, more people talking about exclusives are bad, was Satya Nadella telling the FTC if he had his way, there wouldn't be exclusives. Rather than retread why I find that statement to be hollow coming from Microsoft, of all companies, I think it's a growing sentiment. People believe that games should just launch everywhere. Unlike movies or TV shows that simply needed to be like added to a server or a subplan, games need to be developed for specific hardware configurations. 
You can't just make a game for the PS5 and the Nintendo Switch at the exact same time. It's not that simple. And the more systems you add, the more complicated it gets. According to GameIndustry.biz, quote, Perhaps the leak that has provoked most interest and surprise among consumer audiences is the confirmation of the development budgets of Sony's major first-party titles, with both Horizon Forbidden West and The Last of Us Part Two confirmed to have cost more than $200 million to develop. Now, before we get into the article any further, right after this quote, they had sort of a larger highlighted sentence. Now, this sentence is going to come back later, but I really think this is telling how you know gamers have been asking for so much from games lately. It seems that entitlement and expectations are consistently on the rise. Quote, exclusivity is currently the best way for companies to maximize income from actual sales of the game without relying on post-launch revenue to make back cost. This means you can't have it both ways. Many gamers complain about the focus on live service or the focus on microtransactions, but then they also complain about exclusives or games not landing everywhere. According to GameIndustry.biz, the best way to avoid pesky micros or post-launch revenue needs is through exclusivity. And again, we'll look at that quote later. There's more to it. And I'm going to draw a straight line from this type of thinking to timed exclusivity. One thing the article did help, I think, with is perspective. Quote, The surprise people outside the industry feel about the numbers is understandable. These are in line with Hollywood blockbuster budgets, although the game industry costs still trail the very high end of that range, where we find films like Avengers Endgame costing around $350 million to make. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. I I don't think that's going to be a big change. I think you're going to see more and more games go in that direction you already are landing in the 200 millions you're close you're, you're very close to the 350 we saw for avengers endgame now imagine game you know movies that are not quite that large you're basically spending movie budgets on video games that are the size of horizon forbidden west or the last of us part two and i thought this next part was also particularly insightful The lack of understanding of the costs involved in creating huge, meticulously detailed, interactive worlds for players to explore may go some way to explain the disconnect between what consumers demand for their games and how they value them financially. If you really think about it, I've seen this myself, okay? In the evolution of the conversation about games, price, and submodels. Some value these games from a financial or premium leisure purchase. There are those of us that look at video games as a premium leisure purchase, so we expect to spend good money. Others pursue quantity or ease of access. These are different value systems that are emerging within the gaming world, and these values will dictate how you spend your money and where you spend your money. Now, the article spent some time discussing why first-party exclusive are unique and how they actually also help promote the platform so while them being profitable is important they can also be linked to the marketing of the platform itself they also discussed why first party exclusivity is great for margins because you're not revenue sharing with another party especially with the rise of digital purchases in other words if sony launches a first party title and it's only sold on their platform every digital sale is going right to them they're not sharing with a retailer and they're not sharing with a third party platform where the game is because it's just on their platform what this does according to game industry Biz, is it leaves independent publishers and devs in a unique position. So now we're thinking about independent. We're thinking about third-party devs outside of 
what the typical setup would be for first party, what's it look like for these other studios? Quote, other publishers generally don't have that luxury. Their options are either to rein in their development budgets and risk not being able to keep up with the expectations of their consumers, to adopt more aggressive monetization strategies is another option, or link up with a platform holder in an exclusivity deal that allows them to tap into the economic advantages usually reserved for first-party games. So basically... The way they're setting this up is you have a couple of choices. You can see why my theory gets support from this article. If you want to sort of maintain your edge right now and you're going to land everywhere, you're going to be multi-plat, you're going to have to rein in the budget. You're going to have to rein in the scope of the project. And if you do that, you may not look like a next-gen title. You may not feel like this big, expansive game. Players' expectations continue to rise. It's sort of a rising tide. Now... If they want to avoid that, they could go towards monetization, but there's stigmas there that companies are trying to avoid. They don't want to have aggressive monetization practices. Sometimes it's difficult to even get monetization to work because your game has to sort of be popular first in order for monetization to work. So they may see exclusivity to a platform as the most beneficial option of the three. Remember, the three choices being outlined here, I think, are common. We either shrink scope of the project to ensure the budget doesn't get too crazy. This game's landing everywhere. Imagine it's landing on PC and both of the main consoles. Or they can adopt ongoing strategies with monetization. That's not working for games if they don't land well. If you are landing on many platforms, one of the hard challenges right now is the game's not that polished. And if the game's not that polished, I wouldn't expect your monetization to go anywhere. So that third choice of going toward a a platform and doing a third-party timed exclusivity deal might be the best choice. And when it comes to the exclusivity option, GameIndustry.biz had some choice words for Microsoft and Satya Nadella. Quote, That last part is crucial, the timed exclusivity, because so much of the discussion around the FTC case and the Activision Blizzard acquisition in general is to do with the question of platform exclusives. Satya Nadella says he doesn't like them at all, which is pretty much what anyone would say when they've competed with a rival that spent 15 years building up a world-class first-party studio system while you twiddled your thumbs and then whipped out your checkbook at the last minute to try to make up for it. I have a hard time disagreeing with that take. That is precisely what has happened. And I don't want to debate and retread the Activision deal debate, but I think it pretty much confirms what the article is saying. Exclusivity matters. If it didn't, Microsoft wouldn't be attempting this acquisition. Microsoft, in some aspects, is trying to play catch-up. They jumped from six first-party studios to 23 in just four years' time. This is the next wave of gaming. This is likely driven by what they already know. They already know there's advantages to exclusivity. They already know they're going to struggle to get those third-party time exclusives. So, you go for acquisitions instead. The author does look at the difference between buying a publisher or doing something like the Final Fantasy 16 exclusivity deal. This is a common comparison that gets thrown out in the debate about the Activision Blizzard deal. What's, you know, Sony money hats games, and Sony does these exclusivity deals, and it makes it hard on Xbox, so they should be able to buy Activision Blizzard. Okay, well, let's compare. According to the article, quote, The question is, why would a company with a major title sign up to limit its potential audience to one platform? I think it's a good question. We talk casually about publishers being paid by platform holders for exclusivity, money hats, and the likes, but the actual economics of what happens here is a little different. 
So he considers what might be the reason for an exclusivity deal in the following way. Quote, Final Fantasy 16 more or less ends up having the economic advantages of a first-party title. Sony has most likely waived most, if not all, of its platform fee for the game, so every unit sold is more profitable for Square Enix. It has also almost certainly absorbed some of the marketing costs for the game by rolling it into its platform marketing strategy and budget, significantly reducing Square Enix's spend on the marketing side. So, those are huge benefits. This is why I think this is going to be more appealing going forward. You can actually make more money and be more profitable and spend less if you do a timed exclusivity deal with someone like PlayStation or Xbox. Now, he went on to say this, though, and this is where I kind of start to disagree. This is certainly more important than the oft-cited savings from shifting to single-platform development, which are fairly marginal. I actually don't think single-platform development savings are marginal, and here's why. It reverberates throughout the entire life of the project. It limits the scope of needed QA. It allows a team to truly push against hardware limitations. So while you may be able to make the case that single-platform development is a smaller amount of economic impact on paper, I believe it has more far-reaching implications than just hard, measurable dollars. In other words, when a game's budget is this large, anything that shrinks scope of the project with respect to length or scope is actually actively helping margins. Anything that extends the scope of the project length is a threat to margins and this is where I disagree with the author remember that quote from the beginning about the best way to maximize income let's read the entire quote on many levels exclusivity is anti-consumer denying a whole swath of consumers access to a third party game for a solely business and competition related reasons yet at the same time exclusivity is currently the best way for companies to maximize their income from actual sales of the game reducing or entirely eliminating the need to rely on post-launch revenue to make back its costs so I think this is creating a false dichotomy between business reasons and being pro-consumer. That's not a binary that I accept. I think that's a false binary. If companies do not properly protect their interests and their goals, then consumers will get less products due to studios closing, or you'll get inferior products simply because the games have to come to market eventually, and they make those compromises, and they don't come out ready. Look at Jedi Survivor. Multiplat games seem to be the most problematic lately and with growing scope and growing project lengths it's likely going to get worse so my pushback here is when a company takes an interest in their own profit their own project viability and a third-party exclusivity deal is the best path that's not anti-consumer it's pro product and being pro product benefits all consumers How? If not everybody can get it, how is that pro-consumer? Well, it protects all consumers from buying an inferior version of the product. Instead of forcing it on every platform and having to make those compromises and launching something that is degraded, it gives a portion of the market a superior or higher value item. This is a net gain and not a loss. When you don't view it from the false binary of company priority is against consumer priority. Again, I think that's a false binary because when a company properly protects its interests and the value of the product, the consumers benefit even if doing that requires them to limit the scope of where that product launches. 
Now, he concludes the article by providing a great handoff to my next section. Says the following, For now, though, exclusivity is a powerful economic tool for the few games that have that option open to them. And as development budgets continue to creep upwards, the lure of such deals for third-party publishers is only likely to increase. This again adds ground to my argument of what I believe is coming, but it also... In a strange way, I think it pushes against his own claim that exclusives are anti-consumer. A powerful economic tool that helps alleviate growing budgets should serve the consumer in the end. It doesn't, out of necessity, have to benefit all consumers. I think that's a false presumption. At what point would we concede that the scope of a project must be allowed to shrink for the sake of profitability? Should all games right now still be landing on the Xbox 360? Should they all still be landing on the PS4? Is it anti-consumer to leave those platforms and consumers behind? You're going to find yourself arguing for leaving those systems behind in very similar ways to what I have said today. You have to shrink scope. You get a better quality product. You get something of higher value for your money by leaving those customers behind. So it's not universally bad to leave out sections of the market. The presumption that if less people can buy it, it's automatically bad or anti-consumer is unfounded. The presumption simply is believed, not proven. So, why do I think we're going to get more time exclusives going forward? Well, the first aspect of my argument centers around cost. If, from moment one, you're able to build for just one system, it will keep costs of the project down. This touches numerous aspects of the development process, the building of the game, the QA, the testing, even the marketing. As I said previously, it's a cost saving that ripples throughout the life of the project. Less unforeseen snags or challenges, clear boundaries and bright lines on just how far the game's graphics and performance can be pushed. This adds layers of efficiency to the development from the very beginning all the way to the end. The second thing this helps with is also related to cost. Time exclusivity helps with optimization, and this is revenue motivated. Poor launches and problems can hurt a game's reception, but being able to streamline optimization also helps with development in a general sense. Rather than roadblock or a distraction, optimization can be a standard throughout the project. The third thing that I believe time exclusivity can help with is landing the game as a multi-platform game. What do I mean by this? From where I sit, porting a successful and well-optimized game to other platforms is a far better and more effective approach. And this is related to the last point I want to make in this section. Before I go to that last point, let me make sure you understand what I just said. I went kind of quick. If you want games to land in a good way on multi-plat, it's actually better to timed exclusivity set up it. Because if you do it in that way, you have a much more quality product that can be then ported later. Now, this is related with timed exclusivity and why so many people dislike it in the last point. Timed exclusivity helps with project length. The irony about fighting against timed exclusivity is that if a game was to be multi-plat, you'd wait longer for it anyway. It's more about jealousy than what's best for the consumer. Imagine a game lands in January of 2024, right at the beginning of the year, and then one year later, it lands on your platform of choice, so you had to wait one year for the game. Now imagine if in this same hypothetical, that if the game were multi-plat, it would have come out 
in the middle of 2024 or late 2024. You'd have had to wait six to eight months, maybe even 12 months from that first release date. Let's say PS5 is January 2024 and Xbox is January of 2025. But if it's multi-plat, it kind of lands in the middle. It takes a little bit longer to bring it to market. More development, more time, more QA, more optimization, more bug testing. That's going to extend the life of the project. Just imagine how many of these delays that we've seen that are six to nine months, and they're typically for polish. That window of time would likely be used to make sure the game can land multi-plat. But typically these multi-plat games land with more problems, more bugs, more required patches. Are you starting to see why time exclusivity may not be the devil that it's been painted as? Sure, you had to wait a year for the game to come out, but it's in better condition. It's more worthy of your purchase. Often by the time it comes out, patches and fixes have already been implemented. You get a better version of the game. If everybody has to wait for it to land multi-plat and then the quality is diminished, that's not pro-consumer. You're being anti-product because you're entitled and think the game should land everywhere, which in turn is anti-consumer with the result of what you end up buying for and what you end up getting. The last thing I see coming out of this is more exclusives that are not timed, and this is where everybody will get irritated. While I think that timed exclusivity could increase, I also think standard exclusives will also increase, and this could happen in a variety of ways. The first way it could show up is more platform exclusivity by way of partnerships, like what we saw with Final Fantasy 16 and Square Enix. It's less risky, it's less messy to do this, it's not some big acquisition, it's not some big merger. Both parties can benefit, it helps the platform, it helps you make more money, as we've already discussed. You can leverage all the things we've already outlined. They have a huge lead in console saturation, and projections look overwhelmingly in their favor, so I think Sony will leverage this more than acquisitions. I think they'll leverage more exclusives like they've done with Final Fantasy 16 that aren't timed. They'll eventually land on PC, but that's not quite the same. I don't think these partnerships will land on Xbox. Leveraging all the benefits we already talked about with respect to shrinking cost, optimization, and marketing, you get a nice added bonus of being on the platform that has the most consoles and the most customers. So this first approach, partnerships, I think Sony leverages this more going forward. The second approach, however, I think is one that Microsoft will leverage. Exclusives by way of acquisition. They have more money to spend than Sony, that's clear. And if they successfully buy Activision Blizzard, they will likely try to buy more. Smaller purchases after Activision Blizzard will probably be an easier sell to the regulators. Even if they don't get Activision Blizzard, it seems they also have their sights still on other companies, not just Microsoft. It wouldn't surprise me if the buying war starts very soon. Embracer seems to be freeing up funds by downsizing, laying off, closing studios, almost like they're getting ready to start making purchases. Amazon, Google, and Tencent are awfully quiet right now. Seemingly, they're ready. They're primed. Lots of acquisitions, I believe, are on the way. This, again, could lead to more exclusivity or siloing up the content. So, are timed exclusives bad? I don't think so. I definitely think we're going to see an increase of them, and at the end of the day, big video game projects will likely get more and more expensive and more and more expansive. I'm not saying that with an accent. I mean expansive, right? Expensive and expansive. And I would rather avoid all of the bad monetization, all of the bad practices, all the bugs and the glitches and the launches that are clearly not ready if the road to get there is simply me waiting on a time exclusive. 
So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusion. The rotator betrayed me again at the end of the monologue. That's hilarious. All right, something that commonly gets labeled as being anti-consumer and pro-corporation. I commonly get labeled as this, okay? This is something that commonly happens. That People say I'm anti-consumer and I'm pro-corporation, right? The reason that happens is how I tend to talk about the enormous cost of making games. I've been trying to tell people for a very long time, games are getting more expensive. Prices are going to go up, okay? Ongoing content models, live service, games as a service, they're increasing. I kept telling people that's what's coming. That's going to be more normative. You're going to see an increase in live service. And if you look at the webcast from Sony and their plans going forward, you can see it already coming to fruition. Okay, It's just one of the ways I think that companies are combating the rising costs and the risks that they're facing with these big projects. Now, similarly to my prediction about the rise of live service games, I think there will be a rise in timed exclusivity. It kind of went away for a while. I think it's going to make a roaring comeback. Or just exclusivity in general is going to go up. The question is, who's going to get the most deals and the most titles? The second thing I want to say is the Xbox Activision deal has been eye-opening for many people. We're not just seeing what Microsoft has planned, but we're also seeing the costs of making big budget games it's starting to rival movies it might surpass them someday maybe some will start to understand why some of us support buy to play models we support the virtuous cycle because it's extremely expensive to get games at quality the industry is going to have to quickly adapt to rising costs and growing budgets and if you don't want live service and you don't want microtransactions to take over timed exclusivity may be the best alternative conclusion While this may be an unpopular opinion, it is one rooted in facts of the industry. Holding to an ideological position about putting games everywhere, that doesn't really actually work if it's not sustainable and it's not profitable. And it certainly isn't worth it if games take longer and longer to come out and still have loads of problems. And yes, my bias in the matter is not the norm. I have every system. It doesn't really hurt me if something is a timed exclusive to one box or another. I know that's unique. I know not everybody is in that position. But if timed exclusives help with the economics of the game development while also helping with the quality, then we all win as consumers. And that is the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here. Happy 4th of July. I know it's a little strange to stream on a a holiday like this, but I just thought, you know, we're not doing anything until later in the day. So, and uh, and yes, we are on the final stages of the beard uh, coming off. It's it's a mustache, and that's all that's all we're going to do. I'm going to take it all off tomorrow. People wanted me to like leave the soul patch. I'm like, no, uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Let me briefly just say, We have not talked about our coffee enough lately. I have noticed a big slowdown because I didn't like disrupting the show to talk about it. But listen, you got to afford me to do this every once in a while. I do need to start mentioning this more in the show. This is a great way to support what we do here. If you're a coffee drinker, go to reforgeroast.com. Use the coffee link in the description below. Everything's on the back of the bag as well. These are nice tear and resealable bags. And the balanced acidity is the main reason to try it. If you're a coffee drinker and you've never tried balanced acidity, you got to try Reforge Roast. Especially, I've had people tell me that, you know, with stomach issues, that they can actually drink our coffee. No bitterness, very smooth, no bite. And Behemoth is going to start the day with 20 gifted memberships. We had a little bit of a talk yesterday with the members, and we basically decided we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to be generous. We're going to gift members. We're going to actually get 
more people in here we're gonna have more members content we're gonna do that we're not gonna let haters detract us or take away from what we're doing the more we push the bigger we get the more hate we'll get and the more grounds to ignore it right there's no reason to pay any attention to it behemoth you're the man i really really appreciate that starting the day off right love the stash thank you one gifted members from uh, gifted member i should say from chase verge and that entire monologue i had a smudge on my glasses and it i it was driving me absolutely insane <laughs> like a nice smudge right on the left lens i was trying out which which pair of frames i wanted to wear today with the with the stash and i must have i must have smudged them when i picked them up or laid them down it was driving me absolutely incredible inc- it was driving me crazy. What happened with your face now? I told you, we hit a big member goal and the beard's coming off. Mastervania shirt sick. You guys like this shirt? I thought this shirt was so sick. He-Man's way down there, right? He-Man's way down there. Uh, if you want to get this shirt, it comes from Ripped Apparel. The link is in the description or you can use the shirt command, right? That supports me if you use that link. Their shirts are very reasonable price at Ripped Apparel, 14 to 25 bucks. You don't really need a discount. So you're pulling off this look. This might be one to come back to. Okay, listen. Like, I it doesn't look bad. It does look okay, right? I I think I shaped it well. I don't think my wife likes it, so I don't think the stash will make a return. It'll have a twenty four hour life. Okay, it'll come off tomorrow. <laughs> you forgot a super chat? Oh, hang on a second. I missed a super chat. Yo, Joker just gifted a member as well. J Dub. At the beginning of the stream with the 10 spot says, who is this guy who stole his hair? Let's go. Thank you so much for the $10 super chat, J-Dub. I hope you're still here. Opening monologue. I can't see those super chats because I'm looking at my like makeshift teleprompter. 22 members on the day already. I'm curious what you guys think of, what do you think of my theory? I'm loving the look. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Ratch, is that you, Rach? Is that you over there, Radical, on uh, on kick? I I I do like it. I do like it. You guys are you guys are free to objectify me. I I accept that. I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, antagonistic towards that. You supported Bungie's monetizing practice, but look how much they're squeezing the player. And now Sony is probably going to use Bungie's strategy for their live service. Well, I mean, we can't misrepresent what I've said historically. I have always said that with respect to a micro store, Bungie does things the right way. 80% of the items can be earned by playing the game and earning a currency. They tell you ahead of time the 20%. They tell you ahead of time the 20% that will not be purchase only. They removed RNG from their store, okay? I'm not going to commentate on that game right now. I'm not. But I will stand by my comments historically that that's the right way to do a microtransaction store. I stand by that. I, I don't want to talk about what they're doing with their game right now. I don't, I don't give a frick about that game or that company. But historically, that has been my position. That has been my position on microtransactions. I feel like that, that's the gold standard. If you're going to have a store, if you're going to have a micro store... I think that's the way to do it. If they've moved away from that, then my standards would not be met. I would say, no, that's not the way to do a store, okay? 
Thank you again to Behemoth for the 20 gifted members and the two singles from Joker and DK Baker. Guys, every 25, I give five back to the community. We can celebrate and have a good holiday here. I do think we need more likes, though. We really should have 200 likes on the video by now. There's over 500 people here. My man JC gifted a member. And it goes to J-Dub. What a coincidence. Someone named J gifted to J. It is... Uh, I don't, I was going to say a Jaybird, but that's stupid. So I'm not going to say it, even though I just did. Lona, did you see that Microsoft apparently is paying Xbox content creators to hype up the Xbox brand? That's not true. That's, listen, listen, they did that a really, really long time ago and they got caught and they got in big, big trouble and it led to a bunch of legislation. There's all these standards in place now, right? Historically speaking... Historically speaking, that happened and it led to all these things that you can't do. You cannot do anything sponsored and not tell people. You're looking at serious, serious fines if you do that. So, if in fact anybody's doing that, they'll get caught and they'll be financially ruined. They don't mess around with that crap anymore. I don't think that's, that's happening. Doc spilt the beans. He's messing around. Did you? Oh, you're laughing, Greg. Watch the full video, please. Oh my gosh. Doc Dark doing parody for 10 straight minutes. I wonder how many people he tricked. That's not today's subject matter. But I just want to say, I don't buy it. I do not buy. If anybody is that stupid to accept money from Microsoft, if they're going to accept money from Microsoft to promote things and talk about things and they don't disclose that if they're that stupid I, they'll get caught if you're that dumb there's i don't i don't believe that that's happening i don't i believe it's as simple as there's an audience to bang the drum for and it pays the bills okay you can see this in politics on youtube you can see it in gaming on youtube it's as simple as that it's as simple as that You don't need to discuss with devs and make contracts when you're the second largest company in the world. You go above their heads and talk to real people in charge with cash in hand. I mean, maybe. Sony is super serious. Yo, Frostpunk comes in and gifts a member. Thank you so much for doing that. Taking us to 24 out of 25 on the day. Appreciate you so, so much. Um, somebody mentioned me in members chat. Who's mentioning me? Oh, oh, oh. It was the, it was the family guy mustache meme. Love it. What did Doc do? Doc Dark in a video, it's it's total parody. He basically is like, the jig is up, we're all caught, we've all been getting paid to make this content. He's like, I asked Phil Spencer for more money to defend Redfall and he wouldn't give it to me. He's totally messing around. It's a joke. He's just having fun. Skip to the end where he's laughing. He's just being a goof. I did notice, though, something, Doc, that when I start shaving my beard, you start growing one, all right? Stay out of my territory, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stay out of my territory, alright? Yo, stinker boy Ani coming in. We don't need to we don't listen. We don't need to start a war between between you know between us. We can all get along, alright? Iron Chef Josh lands the gifted member. That's 25 members. Who is gonna be the agents of chaos today and bump it forward? You didn't see the video? It was it was yesterday. Ex publisher, publisher here. If you want to call some time to go through the terms, options, and finances of exclusivity contracts, we can set that up. Well, 
the patch notes at a general level do you feel like my prediction has merit just just for the sake of the discussion and the topic today do you think my my prediction has merit that with rising costs of projects time exclusivity is going to become more alluring it, it, you get marketing you get money you you get to sh- you get to shrink scope you get to finally narrow things down do you understand like does does my prediction have merit would be the question you could pull off a doctor disrespect i have aviators but i i don't i don't have them down here richard rodriguez of the two spot stash okay okay i get take my lunch money gangsta <laughs> and, and and not just and not just the patch notes what do you guys think do you think my my prediction has merit that that we're going to see more of this going forward because of the financials behind it? It's just going to make better business sense to limit scope of your project, get an inf- get an infusion of cash, make better profit on the single platform, and and you get you get the marketing too from probably you know I think Sony is going to get most of these deals. By the way, that I'm predicting, I think Microsoft's going to take a very different approach. I think they're going to take the acquisition approach. Patchnote says, yes, the terms of the deals varies greatly, but it does have a lot of merit to the publishers, not necessarily to the devs. Oh, okay, so there's a divide there. See, I started to wonder if there was a divide with respect to these terms when Outriders, seemingly the devs weren't too happy about going to Game Pass, but it was likely brokered by the publisher, right? That was something that I thought. I was like, yeah... I wonder. I wonder if that's why that deal went through. Yo, Cat! Cat's gonna be the agents of chaos. They say we're gonna come for you. We're gonna mess with you. We're gonna we're gonna mess with your content. No, you're not. We're gonna keep going. Cat gifts ten members and takes us to thirty-five on the day. Thank you, Cat, for gifting ten members to the community. Perma exclusive is a different argument, but your time exclusivity. Ex- exclusive having all the benefits to the game at least on release is wrong there's only one year gap in a time release meaning it's in parallel development still basically the whole time are you sure about that when they bill somebody to port a game solemn how long does the port take are you sure that that there i don't think that that's true i don't think that's true look at yoshi p's language about final fantasy 16 He's not he's not using parallel development language. He's using porting language. Oh yeah, we're not going to be able to port that to PC in 6 months because of optimization and quality. It, it, it's going to take longer than that. I don't I don't think there's evidence that Final Fantasy 16 was in parallel development with PC. I mean, I'm happy to be proven wrong, but as I understand it, shrinking scope of the project, building for one system and then porting later is 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 more viable i know about outriders says the patch notes the publisher screwed over people to, uh, people can fly so bad the we didn't make profit thing a few weeks back is strictly isn't strictly true in what ways is it not is it not true greg brimstone says you don't think it helps take some workload off the devs creating a game for one system they're porting a high budget triple a game from playstation to xbox in one year i can't imagine that's the case I, that's why I asked Solemn, how fast can it be done? What's the average turnaround time for these ports that we've been playing of PlayStation games? Just as a test case, as an example. Do we have any idea? 
Can we get 200 likes on the video? Almost 600 people here, man. Guys, keep smashing that like button. A lot of you lurkers come in. You listen every day. I appreciate that. It's free to smash the thumbs up button. Maybe some corporate mumbo jumbo in that studio leader's statement. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Um, what you claim Microsoft is doing now, Sony did in 1995. Please keep that same energy. What do you mean? Are we supposed to time travel back to 1995 and keep PlayStation accountable? It's business. Sega was killing itself, but Sony's actions put the nail in the coffin. I, I yeah, I okay. Nintendo, Nintendo is the reason we even have a PlayStation. They were ruthless. A lot of what we do today in gaming with exclusivity and the ruthlessness of the of the culture and the, and the and the and the setting is that climate a lot of that was set in motion by Nintendo everybody wants to act like you want to point all these fingers come on and I, yeah I don't even know the story I don't even know the story but I'm fairly certain it wasn't to this level in magnitude back in the 90s love you reforge and chat have to go to bed have a good stream all right Atherin, good to see you didn't Yoshi P say that Sony engineers who built the PS5 had to help them with development? I actually don't know. There were a lot of interviews about the game and the PS5, so I may have missed that one. I know he was talking about the game quite a bit, showing off the power of the PS5, um, and that I in one of those interviews he might have made mention of that. I don't remember reading that. I feel like we covered it a handful of times. Well, you need to still be mad about something. I say that Sony did 28 years ago. Yeah, how am I supposed to bring the same energy about that? Like, what in the frick? Sega's only focus was to compete with its rivals instead of fulfilling the user's demand. This led to their downfall, and the company couldn't keep up with Nintendo. The Sega and Nintendo console war was epic. The day has nothing on that. Uh... Story, I'm not reading that. There was no company that big that big in gaming in the 90s. No gaming only company was worth 70 billion back then. They weren't buying massive publishers back then. Look at him defending what Sony did to Sega. I just said that I don't even really know that story. What do you mean? What difference does it make? In 1995, Sony allegedly did something bad. Look at him defending what Sony did. Look at you caring about stuff that doesn't matter. My gosh. Somebody made fun of me in the 90s at school. I don't think about it or talk about it. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Who cares about that? This whataboutism is tiring. Go somewhere else. That's not what we're talking about today. You guys tire me and bore me at the same time. Get the frick out. We're not talking about that today. Gotta go to parade and family stuff. Have a great fourth. All right, Detective Seeds. We're talking about a growing need for companies to shrink budgets and to make their very expensive projects more profitable. And I happen to think that you're going to see more and more companies lean on partnerships and exclusivity to help with exactly that problem. Gaming wasn't nearly as popular back then as it is now, so between inflation and gaming industry skyrocketing, the numbers definitely take some calculating to get into. I, who, I'm not worried about that. That's, that's, that's so, that is so superfluous to any discussion in 2023. You want to run back to 1995? Like, 
Jiminy Christmas. You sound like a bunch of cancel culture Karens. Like, go write some twit longers about how Sony made you uncomfortable back in 1995 with what they did to Sega and see if anybody gives a frick. No one cares about that. That's not even remotely a part of today's discussion, and it's not part of the larger discussion about consolidative efforts on an on a entire industry like you, you don't I'm, I'm done I'm done with that like we're not doing this you're not dragging me into some weird debate so you can clip me and say oh he defended what Sony did in 1995 like what in the heck I remember when we brought up Microsoft miscategorizing employees and paying antitrust fines you know what I was told well that was years ago okay well then that let's just keep that attitude I agree what the gaming industry was and was doing back then is basically irrelevant to current day. Yeah, it's not even it's not even tangentially related. It isn't. Gemini Christmas. <clears throat> Doesn't matter how long ago it was. Yeah, we're not discussing that. That's not today's discussion topic. I think after Stadia, the other big tech companies are hesitant to buy big publishers. Sony and Microsoft have a vice grip on the industry. Well, part of today's discussion is about that. I think you're going to see more acquisitions. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I think, I think you're going to see more acquisitions. And I don't know about big publishers, but I definitely think you're going to see more acquisitions of independent studios or studios or smaller publishers. Like, you're not going to see these big Activision Blizzard-sized deals. I think you're going to see smaller deals because I think that's one way that you're going to make these profit these projects more profitable is by shrinking scope and risk and bringing them under one silo and one funnel. That that's uh, that's just a theory obviously, but I think that's on the horizon. Square Enix gave people can fly a dodgy contract in my opinion. Not all income was included in Outriders revenue. Things that were already paid for were included in expenses. That's so weird. Can Steam get more exclusives? No, I I actually think that the yeah, I think the buying war is coming and I think when Amazon, Google, Tencent, Embracer Group when they start throwing their hats in the ring, what they're what I think that will then lead to is alignment partnerships. So what they'll say is, is they'll say, okay, we just acquired all this property that, that, that's going to incur a lot of risk. And an alignment partnership would say, well, we're going to align with PlayStation and we're going to start doing time exclusivity or we're going to start doing, you know, stuff just for them because it's more profitable. It's safer. It's less risky. That's what I think the buying war is going to lead to. Let me turn the coffee alert on. I haven't had it on. Zubair says, chat, who did I say was going to yell at when I, uh, and what about, I forgot while brewing this delicious reforge roast. That plug is an advance apology for yelling. I'm going to do at Lono. Wait, what are you going to yell at me for? Because of my time exclusivity stuff? Just look at the bag, Zubair. Just look, th- just look at this and feel good and cuddly. All right, it's it's Teddy Bear Day, right? It's the Fourth of July after all, Zuby. <laughs> Richard Rodriguez with a two dollar super chat tip. I could see Sony buying Crafton and other medium publishers. Sony has said they want to increase their their budget for acquisitions. I think they're preparing for what's coming. They, Sony knows what's about to come. I think everybody knows what's a, uh, what's 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 about to come. They know that consolidative siloing, exclusivity, time exclusivity, all that. That's that's the thing going forward. We had like sort of a ceasefire. There haven't been a ton of time exclusivities lately, and all of a sudden they came back. 
Deathloop and Ghostwire kind of started it. Now we have this partnership for Final Fantasy 16. Like, I think you're just going to see a rise of this going forward. And the, the, the anti-consumer argument about it, that was where I disagreed with GameIndustry.biz. GameIndustry.biz basically argued that, oh, it's anti-consumer to do exclusives or timed exclusivity, okay? It's, it's anti-consumer. I, I do not agree with that. I think you can be pro-product and not be anti-consumer. I wish we could scroll back further in chat. At what point do we end up with games ending up on the equivalent of Paramount Plus or Peacock where, sure, it might be a good game, but do you really want to sign up for the platform to get access? I mean, that's an interesting theory. I don't know about that, Bumble Pants. Like, do you, like, do you guys think there's a potential future where you see... Let's take Amazon as an example. They, they buy up a bunch of publishers and they launch something like EA Play and they want that to be on the platforms, right? Amazon Games Plus or whatever you want to call it. Let's just call it that, right? AGP. Amazon Games Plus. Amazon enters the buying war. They scoop up a bunch of publishers and a bunch of games and that's how they want to enter the landscape. They want to come onto the platforms with a subservice you know, the likes of which kind of what Game Pass is, is becoming. Reforge looking like Evil Bender with that goatee. Well, the goatee was yesterday. It's a mustache today. I'm 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 entering your landscape, right? I'm trying to trying to get all those guys that are in denial about how they feel to, to come and watch me. That's why they watch you, Alex. I just I, I hope you realize that. Bunch of bunch of confused men. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's probably true, though, to some degree. <laughs> you put those thighs on camera that often. I, I just, I have to think. I have to think. You're, you're making a lot of George Costanza's, you know, it moved. Uh, like Prime Gaming? But, right, like Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming is more of an extension of Prime where you get, like, benefits, perks, and skins and stuff. What I'm talking about is what was thrown out in chat is the idea that what if that's what the buying war leads to? Amazon, Google, Tencent, Embracer, they start scooping up companies, and then one of them says, we, we want to take all of our property and put it into like a sub-bucket, and we want that sub-bucket on your platform. Right? The same way EA Play is available, the same way Ubisoft Plus is available. Is is that where we're headed? Are we headed toward, well, I've got Paramount Plus, and I've got HBO, and I've got Disney Plus. Gaming could head in the same direction. Well, I've got Prime Gaming, and I have Embracer Gaming, and I have UB Plus, and I, I got news for you. If that, if that, if that trend emerges, I, I don't want that. I, I, I want to stay in a buy-to-play model. I think buy-to-play model is so superior to that. We That, that is not where we want to go. Boy, do I... Yeah, yes, I'm here. Yeah, Bumblepants was the one that put that in chat. Can something be both pro-product and anti-competitive? I was entertaining the idea of it being anti-consumer. Anti-competitive is a little different, or they're not exactly synonymous. Anti-competitive would be done in an effort to disrupt or harm competition, and that is not necessarily why you would do a timed exclusive. You might do a timed exclusive because this is going to be really profitable for us. This company, their games, they sell really well on our platform. This company's budget, 
this is going to be beneficial for them. It's going to be mutually beneficial for them. Yeah, I was more pushing back on anti-consumer. So your question was, can something be pro-product and anti-consumer? I I think there could be a world where both of those things are true about something, Zuby. I'm pushing back on the presumption that if you limit the scope of where a game lands, it's automatically anti-consumer. And here's how I did it in my show open. RP Gaming with a month and it's a VIP. Young Commissioner Gordon. Thank you. I didn't think the mustache was going to play, but apparently it's playing. Then people in chat will say it's not, but it's okay. They're probably jealous. They They grow like wispy, you know. They have that beard hair that might blow away in a windstorm, you know? You know what I'm talking about. Like that freshman in college beard that they're so excited that it's finally there that they just, they're scared to shave it. Anyway. (laughs) This is how I push back on the presumption that if a game doesn't land everywhere, it's automatically anti-consumer, okay? Is restricting the launch of a game to next-gen consoles only is that anti-consumer? Well, no. Well, why is it not anti-consumer? You're limiting how many people can get it. There are PlayStation 4 owners that can't get that game. They can't buy Returnal. They can't buy Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. They will not be able to get uh, Burning Shores for Horizon Forbidden West. That that's, that's limiting the consumers who can buy it. Is it anti-consumer? No. Well, why? Oh, well, because the, the developers want to want to make the game stronger and better. It, it, the people that bought a PS5 deserve to get a better game. They deserve to get next-gen games, right? You're making good on the promises to those consumers. Okay, so you're arguing from a value delivery paradigm that if the value of the game is increased, then the consumers that buy it, they get a better deal. They, they get something great for their money. Is that, is that not pro-consumer at some level? There's nuances here. It's not just purely anti-consumer to leave people out. Zubair says, yes, it's anti-consumer. It hurts all the people that haven't gotten the next-gen consoles. Do I support it for my own benefit? Sure. Do PS4-only players support it? Right. So at what point do we say you are allowed to prioritize the quality, the value, the profitability of the project, and in so doing, you leave out consumers? If you make a PS5 only game because you want to push the envelope, you want to do high level graphics and it shrinks the project, it makes it more profitable, it makes it more viable. Is that anti-consumer? I don't think it is. The presumption that restricting a product to a select market is anti-consumer, I think it's an unfounded presumption what's the defense of that? Defend it. Why is it anti-consumer? There's a big why there. Why? It presumes entitlement. It presumes that you shouldn't have to make any additional purchases to get said thing. I, what What do you... What? That's everything. That's every industry. If I want a certain item that is only available at that store or only available at that restaurant that's where I have to go to get it like restricting where a product lands I'm not entitled to the product I'm not now somebody's going to push back and say well why can you argue harm to Call of Duty players that's an existing game no longer continuing that's existing consumers being made to go spend an exorbitant amount of money 
that's not the same as a brand new piece of property landing and only being available in certain markets or on certain sectors. Uh, Cleo Clark, uh, Cleo Carson with four months and it's a VIP gold. Have a good fourth with the family, Lono. As a PC player, I just want Sony to give a clear time frame when the game will come to Steam. Sony quality in game development is unmatched. I appreciate the uh, the super chat. It's just gonna be case by case, right? It'll really be case by case. I feel like we're mixing together a bunch of issues. Exclusives are not anti-consumer. I'm going to ground zero, Zubair. If you're going to argue about anti-consumer, you need to define what it means and you need to define when it happens. What is anti-consumer to begin with? What is it? First and foremost, I would argue there's no such thing as a pro-consumer company. I would argue that. I would I would I would argue that there is no such thing as a pro-consumer company. There is marketing that successfully convinces you they are pro-consumer as a means of getting your money and your loyalty. They're pro-profit and their marketing that procures and secures your brand loyalty isn't pro-consumer. It's pro-profit. They don't care about you, they care about profit. There is no altruistic company out there that's like, well, we're going to be pro-consumer because there's always a breaking point. Well, that's anti-consumer. Why? I can't afford it. You're, you're restricting your product to a market of, of, the, of the upper class. I can't buy your item. Look, oh, oh, okay. It, there, there's always going to be somebody who can't get it. Bear says, so going exclusive is anti-consumer. Anti-consumer is trying to corner the market and push a subsurface as the only viable option for devs on that platform and then raising the price of the subsurface. Lots of exclusives wouldn't exist if those deals weren't mad. For example, Bloodborne wouldn't exist if PlayStation and FromSoft didn't agree to the project. Yeah, see, you're going up a couple levels. We're not even up there. I'm down here. That was part two. See my previous comment. Okay, hang on. So going exclusive is anti-consumer. Every company's anti-consumer. It's an arm's length transaction. So going exclusive is anti-consumer. I just feel like anti-consumer is a misnomer. It's like this doesn't even it doesn't even make sense in the context of business. There's just there's I would say there's no such thing as pro-consumer, therefore there's no such thing as anti-consumer. Now, there can be predatory practices, there can be ways that consumers are treated that are unjust or unethical. So anti-consumer, in my mind, would have to be something where the consumer is either misled, right, or an unethical practice, something predatory, something that was in the fine print, like intentionally misleading consumers and things like that. Like that to me would be anti-consumer. Me saying, I'm going to enter into a contract with this company and my widgets are only going to be available with this company. Well, it's anti-consumer. No, it's not. It's pro-profit. It's pro-my business. I have a duty to my business first, not you. If I make widgets... And I got to make ends meet. I got to make profit. I got employees. I got supply lines. I got all these things. My duty is to the business first, not to you. And if I make a decision to sell my widgets over here, that's not anti-consumer. 
We're getting hung up on definitions. We all know what crosses the line to be labeled as anti-consumer. No, we don't. There's no universal agreement on this. You're going to claim there's universal agreement on what anti-consumer is and when it happens? You're saying anti-consumer in is action in bad faith. Okay, with your definition, I'll withdraw my objection. Yeah, I think that's the challenge, is that every company has a duty to their business and their profit first. It's an a priori commitment. It comes first. It's a prior commitment. You don't matter. You don't. Your desire to buy a game, your desire to have a thing, doesn't matter. Because there is no thing to buy. There is no product if they don't put the company first. Really limiting your property to one platform when it can be on three isn't pro-profitable? How do you know that? With the rising cost of projects, Cliffo, I walked through that earlier. Shrinking the size of the project, shrinking the scope, when it can come to market, optimization, quality, all those things go up. You end up having some of the marketing budget shouldered by the platform that you entered the agreement with. Like, it ends up actually making the product, I'm sorry, the project more sound, more profitable. That's my argument, is I think this is where things are headed because I think it is more profitable, Cliffo. It comes to market faster. It comes to market better. That's going to generate better and more sound revenue streams for you. Well, you, you think games coming to market in bad shape and, and and the project going longer than they wanted? How many games keep having to get delayed? How many games keep having to delay for polish? Right? That's always a threat to profit. Every time they do that, they're threatening their margins because it threatens how many people buy it because market confidence wanes and goes down. Pre-order confidence wanes and goes down. It probably means the game's not going to be that great when it comes out. How is it profitable to spend millions of dollars to put something on a platform where it won't sell, says Creature? Yeah, that alone, too, is another part of this research. Like, well, or, you know, what what are we likely to sell over there versus over here? That's another discussion worth having. Yo, what's good, Eugene? Recap. Uh, yeah, we're an hour in. It's time for a recap. Guys, do me a favor and get me to 300 likes. We're headed to 700 viewers. This is a great turnout for a stri- just a topic that I made up on my own, pulling from these Sony poorly redacted documents. So basically what I did was, Last week, we had a discussion in member stream, and based on the PlayStation redacted documents and the budgets of Horizon Forbidden West and The Last of Us Part Two, I started saying, with the growing costs of these projects and the scope and everything mushrooming out, I think one of the fastest ways to combat project size, scope, and budget is to do, ti- is to do timed exclusivity. You immediately shrink project, you immediately shrink the, the budget, and you get an influx of cash from the platform doing the time exclusivity deal. You get to shoulder the marketing with them. That They shoulder some of the marketing. It immediately makes your margins, I think, better. Well, I said, I think that's going to come more often. We're going to see more time exclusivity. It helps with keeping costs down. It helps with optimization. It actually can land better as a multi-plat because you can have one solid piece of product first before you take it to other platforms. Now, GameIndustry.biz came out with an article about why exclusivity is so important. 
and he argued a lot of this. He talked about how if you sign an exclusivity deal with Sony, they're going to waive some of the fees to come to their platform, so you make more per sale. They're probably going to shoulder some of the marketing. You get to attach to a much larger marketing funnel. Like, we know that those Sony blogs and those trailers, they get a lot of views. That generates a lot of potential sales. You get to do all that while shrinking the project scope down to one platform. So it comes to market faster. Like, as an example, look at what Baldur's Gate 3 ran into, and what do they say? If we launched at parity on all platforms once we hit it, I don't know when it would come to market. What's he saying? Well, when you do multi-plat, it's going to take longer. It takes longer to get your product to market when you do multi-plat. The pattern right now is delay, delay, delay. What are they always saying about delays right now? It's three months, it's six months, it's one month, whatever the frick, and what's it always for? Polish. And are they coming out polished? I don't think so. Jedi Survivor got delayed. It didn't come out polished. Tony's third-party team devs are going to help you potentially. Right. Basically, what he argued, Eugene, is you get the benefits of being a first-party studio without being owned by Sony. That's basically what I argued in the video. Now, what I also argued in the video is Sony can leverage third-party time exclusivity more effectively than Microsoft because they have way more consoles in circulation, way more customers. Their projections for PS5 are insane. However, Microsoft can leverage the other strategy. That's exclusivity through acquisition. And that's basically my prediction of where we're going. We're headed toward more time exclusivity, more exclusivity in general, more acquisitions. For the record, calling Sony out for wanting exclusives in the face of Microsoft trying to buy ABK and what Nintendo does and what Steam does doesn't seem reasonable. Yeah, it's a specific anti-Sony position, Zubair. They're not consistent. They're not. I've said for a very long time that they're not even Xbox fans. They're anti-Sony fans. Their dislike of Sony, make they, they ignore Nintendo, they ignore Steam. It's only Sony. They're the only bad guy. It seems we're headed into a divided industry between two brands. I think other large comp- tech companies will stay out and look for partnership. Sony doesn't, example, Sony doesn't use Azure. They use AWS. Cliffo says it all depends on the marketing. If you see a trailer for a new game and it states all platforms and then a, and then a month later in a new trailer it's timed, that's anti-consumer. Well, sure, because that would be that would be breaking expectation. That would be a that would be a breed of what I said earlier. That there's no such thing as companies that are pro consumer. They're pro profit. Anti consumer in my mind is rare. It's when somebody is misled. It's when something unethical or predatory happens. That's anti consumer. That's the company being almost antagonistic or abusive to the customer. Putting your product in one place is not anti-consumer. It isn't. Yo, good morning, feed. Happy 4th. Guys, happy 4th of July to everybody, and thank you so much for being here. Can we get 21 more likes on the video? We got way too many people here for the likes to be lacking. Almost 700 folks hanging out here on this holiday. Thank you guys so much. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I feel like the way that Project Scarlet was, was, was advertised... The way, the way that they marketed Project Scarlet, the way 
that they marketed the Xbox Series X and what I got and what I've gotten since and the surprise of the Series S, I would say that was anti-consumer. I feel like I was misled. I feel like I was sold a vision and an idea that didn't happen. I think what Jedi Survivor did is anti-consumer. Launching a product that you know is not ready, that you know runs like garbage, and you're saying in interviews, you could have taken more time, you, you could have had more time, but you don't feel like you needed it, I feel like that's anti-consumer. You got people's money under false pretense. We thought we were getting a quality product. We thought we were getting something that you delayed to fix and polish. Come on. that That's anti-consumer. Anti-consumer is not, oh, we signed a deal with this company. Our product's over here. That That's them being pro-profit. They're taking care of their own when they do that. Same as anybody would. Yeah, anti-consumer is is using podcasts and YouTubers and montages to paint Redfall in a way that's not accurate to the product. Anti-consumer is besmirching the poor person at IGN that tried to help us, right? That's anti-consumer. It's not anti-consumer to, to do, yeah, Cyberpunk, that was anti-consumer. You knew that game was going to run like absolute garbage on old gen and you sold it anyway. That's where you're crossing a line. That's where the that's where you're crossing a line. You've misled the public. That's anti-consumer. You are against the consumer when you mislead them. I I, I think it's kind of like the pay-to-win debate. It's like anti-consumers become the new buzzword. So you're just going to throw it at a company. It's like if you see monetization practices you don't like, well, you just call it pay-to-win. It's like, but that. It's not pay to win, right? If you really break it down, a lot of the monetization practices aren't pay to win. They might be scummy, they might be underhanded, but a lot of the times they're not pay to win. That's another term I feel just gets overused. Lack of facial hair is making you look youthful. Thank you. I'll be 43 this year. Out of all the gaming platform companies, Sony is the least me friendly of them all oh the least me friendly of them all my disdain for them is reflected in that i like their products but to test their practices and choices what practices and choices do you think that they do that aren't friendly to you what do they do because from where i sit they walk into the market they say here's our stuff buy it or don't and i buy it and I feel satisfied with my purchase. My PSVR 2, the PSVR 2 games that I've experienced, uh, their first party titles. I I don't feel like they're unfriendly to me at all. Because I don't mind parting with my money if I feel that the money turns into a value transmission where I got what I paid for. If I go into a restaurant and I hand them $10 and they give me two french fries, well, then I'm going to have a problem with that. I'm going to say, wait, I didn't get the value that I thought I was paying for. I, I, I gave you money and what I got in return, I didn't feel like was, was, was a value of what I was promised. You look handsome with the mustache and soul patch. Thank you. It's grow. It's it's definitely growing on me. I my I do not think my wife likes it at all. It's not going to stay. The only thing Sony does that is anti-consumer is the refund policy. It needs to be more lax. I actually have have uh, been in full support of that. I think the way that Steam does refunds, I think that should come to the consoles. 
100% agree with that. It is too easy for a bad game. I would have refunded Jedi Survivor in a dadgum heartbeat. I would have immediately got my money back. I'd have like, no way. No way am I am I paying for this. What I would have been I would have immediately hit the button. I think somebody gave me a code for that, but the, the point stands. If I would have paid for that, I would have immediately been like, I, I'm not, I'm not, you don't get to keep my money. Remember, I put it in Discord a few months ago and you responded to it. Again, there is no problem with their products or their quality. It's Sony's business choices, which which I'd need another message to outline. I don't remember what you put in Discord back then. I remember not being very compelled by it. I remember it being it, it seemed it seemed extremely specific to you, but I guess that's all that matters in the equation in your world. I don't expect it to be any different for anybody. Like you are the number one priority in your life with respect to purchases. I thought you was going for an 80s undercover cop look. It's amazing how the mustache changes when I change frames. You guys want to see something interesting? Watch this. Like right now, you know, beat cop, maybe a firefighter. Ready? Now I'm hanging out in Starbucks talking about poetry. Isn't that transformation remarkable? <laughs> it looks totally different. Just just one little frame change and the whole the whole vibe of the stash changes. <laughs> I agree the refund process is not currently acceptable on consoles, but applying Steam's policy would not be the move. Something like it, I think, would be the move. I currently don't think consumers are properly protected with respect to digital purchases. I don't think we're properly protected. I think there needs to be motions made. I think there needs to be legislation that digital products should all be refundable within a certain within a certain time frame. We don't want undue harm to come to the companies. You don't you don't need to be able to buy a game and then return it 24 hours later. So like you know life the game and get all your value out of it and then get your money back. We need to protect the companies from undue harm, but I don't feel like we currently are properly protected. Digital items should be refundable within a certain time frame because you would never, if you went to the store and you bought a blender and you brought it home and half the buttons didn't work, you take it back and you get your money. You don't wait for the blender company to send you something in the mail that'll fix it. You go get your money back. You're protected. It's like, what? what? No, you sold me. This doesn't work. Video games are to the same degree right now. We are not properly protected as consumers. You can buy something and it just doesn't work right. Jedi Survivor right now, everybody that bought that thing on a PS5 or a Series X that's having all the experiences that I'm having, you should be able to get your money back. You should have been able to play for an hour and been like, this is terrible. This isn't what I paid for. This isn't a next-gen $70 game. Get out of here. Is that not just why you don't buy stuff at launch? Yes, but that's not a protection to the consumer. You're putting you're putting it on the consumer. The storefronts that sell the goods, Valiant, that would be like saying, well, you shouldn't buy the blender. You should have checked reviews. You should have waited for a while. What do you mean? I went to the store and saw a blender and I bought it. You know, I opened up the storefront. 
then I saw a cool new video game with a lightsaber and I bought it imagine this Valiant how many of the consumers don't even use YouTube and don't use Twitter and they bought Jedi Survivor a week after it came out they're still not protected as a consumer they still bought something that doesn't work and they can't get their money back I think that that's unacceptable there's no excuse you, 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 I don't think digital items and video games should be exempt from this. There's no excuse for it. I should be able to get my money back. I shouldn't have to go consult YouTube and Twitter to be like, well, is how's the game running? Like, no, you're selling a product. Would you buy an electrical good from a corner shop? I'm not sure what, what you mean. What are you driving at? I played 20 hours of Jedi on Xbox and refunded. Yeah, but you can only do that every so often. You can't just keep doing it. I can buy one game every day of the week in Steam, play it for 30 minutes to an hour, and if I don't like those games, I get my money back. I get my money back. The seller proves to be untrustworthy, then stop trusting them. Yes, but again, Valiant, you're putting the impetus on the consumer. The consumer consumer should not have to do that level of research valiant consider what we've always said we're the minority the average consumer turns on their plastic box sees a game buys the game that's it they don't know who the developer is they don't know who the publisher is they don't know that oh well the art director actually worked on this last game so this game should be really good they don't know any of that stuff the opposite is happening people are pre-ordering in mass okay so, I should be able to confidently buy something. The impetus is not on me to make a value judgment of how trustworthy the company is. The impetus is on the company to make good on their promises. If I go around in my neighborhood and I get a bunch of people to pre-order lawn care, right? They don't know who I am from Adam. They just know some weirdo with a mustache showed up on my doorstep asking about lawn care and I have a flyer and I outline all the things I'm going to do for them and I get a bunch of people to pre-order okay and I don't make good on my promises if I come back around the next year and I do it again and they're like well last time you didn't make good on your promises but I'm going I'm to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and do it again and a bunch of other people do it who maybe don't know maybe they're new to the neighborhood okay and I don't make good on my promises. The impetus is on me to do what I said I was going to do to deliver the thing that I promised. The impetus is not on the consumer to be like, well, hang on a second there, Charlie. I need to call all the neighbors. I need to find out who you are, how reliable you are. I don't know if you're trustworthy or not. Like, if the consumer looks at the promise, decides I'm going to give you 50 bucks and I don't do the thing I said I was going to do, they have every right to complain and, and try to get their money back. It's not about to get regulated, so unless you have a magic wand, your current options as a consumer is to vote with your wallet. That's precisely the discussion that we're having. I believe it should be. As a level, at at a level of consumer protection, I believe that this should be something that's mandated. Yes, I should be able to refund digital items within a certain time frame. I believe that. I think that should be mandated to protect the consumer. You should not be allowed to go around and sell what amounts to snake oil sometimes it's not what you said it's so fa- it's fake it's wood 
You can't expect that. You better believe I can expect that. Steam does it. I think the more video games grow at this level, the more the government's going to get involved. That doesn't necessarily make it better, but they're going to take a look and they're going to say consumers are not protected currently. So sure, currently we're not protected. I'm saying we should be. I'm saying that the governing body should get involved and say digital items should be refundable within a certain period of time to protect consumers because we're buying items that don't work, that are broken, and then we're just out the money and we just have to sit there. Well, you should have done more research. What the frick? That doesn't mean they should be allowed to do it just because I didn't, what, wait a week and watch reviews on YouTube? Should people be able to get refunds on their Series S? Cloud Strife says, stop it with the watch reviews before you buy. Reviews are people's opinions on games. You can watch gameplay and look at the game itself and tell if you want to play. If not, then you're not a gamer. I, I don't understand what you just said, Cloud Strife. It sounds like you disagreed with yourself. And if I would have read the reviews of Jedi Survivor, they were all glowing! They were like 9s and 10s and 8s. I did my due diligence. I did a review roundup of that game. Why is Ned Flanders hosting a gaming channel now? Calica says, I was able to get my money back on a digital game I bought from Nintendo. Uh, it was Let's Sing Country. There was exactly three songs on the game and they, that were singable for females. I told Nintendo I was appalled that female singers weren't equal in the game. It was the worst game I'd ever played. I got my money back. I don't feel like they know their audience. Aren't those types of games typically bought more by women than men? The singing games? The dancing games and the singing games, I would imagine demographically breaks down more heavily purchased by women. So that's a strange choice. You know? Got our brand new singing game coming out. Everything's in the low registry, you know? Everything's baritone. (laughs) That's odd. That's an odd choice. I'm sad I'm still waiting for a patch Jedi Survivor. I was so irritated with them. They went quiet for so long. They went quiet for so long, and then we finally get patch six, and it di- it did nothing for me. And, like you guys, you guys waited like three weeks. Stupid, sexy Flanders. You guys are I I you guys are allowed to. Uh, you're allowed to objectify me. I allow that here. I don't have like an OnlyFans or anything, but you're totally allowed to. So most reviewers shouldn't be trusted, essentially. I, I don't like doing that, the sowing doubt thing, like, oh, you know, reviewers. And I think you can get approximation of a game's quality from reviews. But I also think, depending on who the game's coming from, people will look the other way. I don't think it's a coincidence that Disney wants a new Star Wars game out every six months and Jedi Survivor got treated with freaking kid gloves. It's like, it's great. It's amazing. And then you get your hands on it and you're like, what the frick is this broken junk? This isn't this is not in a playable state. It's bad. Reforge with ABK, how would you stack up PlayStation versus Xbox Studios? Um Oh, I'm objecting. Oh, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not going to keep the mustache, guys. Trusted implicitly, no, but there's very little accountability right now. Sure. Sure. 
as far as stacking up PlayStation against Xbox, Ted, I don't think Sony has anything to worry about for eight years. If the ink dries, I don't think there's a concern for about eight years. It's in the final years of those 10-year contracts that they're out there pushing where things that start to, I think things will start to turn and Sony will have to make preparations between now and then. I don't think Sony's in, in any in any danger. That idea that like, oh, Sony's done, Sony's dead. No, their foothold and their saturation is, it's nuts. I, they're not in any danger, but I think in about eight years, they'd have to consider the ramifications of what Microsoft could do with Call of Duty. Because that revenue generation's insane. If they even lose over the next eight years, you know, 5% of those people, that's an insane amount of money. Those people buy accessories, they buy games, they spend on micros, they they account for, the Call of Duty community accounts for f- between 14 and $16 billion a year annually for Sony. That's a, that's a worrying thing if, they, if that gets disrupted. So they got about eight years to figure it out. Whether you do it through live service, you do it through your own shooter, um, I, I don't know. But I don't think they have to worry for about eight years, and that's when the pain could begin. That's when the danger could start. And I think Microsoft knows it. I think Microsoft has really big plans. And the scope of those plans, the hinge will turn in 10 years. And then the, the, the it's a 20-year plan, would be my estimation. It's a 20-year plan, and, that, and the hinge of the plan is at the 10-year mark. So, Solemn says, So to preface, although there are others who feel the same in some of these points, these points are solely my own personal views. As far as the practices and choices that I don't like from Sony, and this is from the view of the consumer, refund policies, terrible. Okay, they share that with Nintendo and Xbox. They all they all are very hard to get refunds on. Refused crossplay for multiple popular titles with all when all platforms supported it. Um... That was Fortnite. They actually had economic reasons for that. When you transferred certain game profiles and popular games to PlayStation to play them, it became locked uh, to the PlayStation, including all your in-game purchases. That, again, was Fortnite. That's been resolved. Are there other examples other than Fortnite for your last two points would be my question. Because those things have been resolved. That was a, what, a two-month period where that was a problem? Time exclusivity on certain pieces of content in popular mainstream third-party games like COD, Hogwarts, and other games. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the, oh, you can only play this mission in Hogwarts. I did a whole stream on that. I, I, I wish that was not uh, the case. I don't think that's a good enough reason to not do business with Sony. I think that's a pretty mar- that's a pretty marginal thing. So I feel like a lot of your reasons aren't quite, I don't think that they're very founded because I think your only example is Fortnite. That's all been resolved. Are there other games where they did that? Controlled your profile, controlled what you could do, locked things in, like Crossplay. We want to let crossplay. Everything you said was Fortnite, and that was resolved rather quickly. Um, again, from a purely business perspective, all these things are perfectly fine. But this is why, as a consumer, I don't like their practices. They are always the last on board and the most hesitant to play nice with others on things that benefit the consumer. You mean like Nintendo? Do you not support Nintendo for the same reasons? Nintendo is incredibly protective. Nintendo Nintendo's very protective. Aside from crossplay, Nintendo's extremely walled off. And I think when you're pro product, when you are pro your profit and product and property, 
that in in of itself is pro-consumer because the consumer gets a better item. There were other games, yes, like Genshin and some others. And although they're resolved now, they did that before and I haven't liked them since. Okay. I haven't heard people on Xbox having problems getting a refund. Wonder if Lono had issues to make him say that. You can't just always go get a refund. That simply isn't true. They limit you. I want you right now to go buy a game, play it for 30 minutes and get a refund, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again. You can't. As far as I know, unless this has changed in the last, I don't know, three months, both platforms will let you refund intermittently, and you gotta jump through some hoops to do it. You don't just go push a button and refund a game. It's not that simple. We, I've been down this road with people before who insist you can just refund anytime you want on Xbox. And we looked into it, and it wasn't true. You can't just do that. You can't just go buy a game and refund it like it's nothing. And you can't do it as often as you want either. You kind of sound like my friend. Sony had a data, a data breach 12 years ago, so they haven't proved they deserve my trust. I mean, I'll do Data breaches have hit almost everybody. You're limited to one per year on Xbox. One, says Ink Sanity. Xbox doesn't limit your refunds. No, we've looked into this. This isn't true. People always come in and say things that are just flat-out lies. You, you, you cannot just keep doing refunds on Xbox. We have looked into this. They let you do it like once a year. I think with Sony, it's like once every 90 days or something. And even then, you're not you're not guaranteed to get your refund. The reason I still don't like them is because I know the people and the ways of thinking that lead to those grievances are still there and will likely lead to actions I dislike. So you don't think that's true of Microsoft? You think all the people at Microsoft that were also against crossplay, they also don't have a great refund policy? You, those people at Microsoft are totally fine? I don't feel like you're consistent. I feel like most everything that you said about Sony could be lobbied against Nintendo and could be lobbied against Microsoft. They all do the same things. Have to buy a load of games and refund away. We'll be here. Yeah, have fun. Go buy a bunch of games and refund them. That's right. I think both PlayStation and Xbox are once per 90 days. That's why you got to go to your bank at that point. I did it with Halo 5 and I got my money back. There's no reason to insult Claymores. He's not a brainwashed bot. That's the stupidest thing I've read today. I'm saying it's inconsistent. There's no reason to insult. The data breach was because Sony went after Geohot because... He jailbroke the PS3, so Anonymous hacked Sony. Oh, I don't even remember that. I do not remember that. Redfall makes you sign away all your consumer protections before you can even play the game, knowing it was garbage. What are you referring to, Peter Parker? Is there like a TOS thing you agree to when you play that game that says something about that? I I feel like that's not... I've not seen that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've not seen that stated anywhere. I get exactly what I want 
out of Microsoft and Xbox. Those PlayStation points are fairly recent. Other companies that did it in the past don't really matter to me. But you... See, again, I I don't feel like you're consistent. You just said a moment ago, you just said this. You said that the people that did those things are, are likely still there and they'll continue the actions that you dislike. Have you vetted Xbox to make sure that the people that were against crossplay, the people that are in charge of refunds, like are they at the are they still at the company? Like again, Microsoft is guilty of the same things historically. They've all done it. Same with Nintendo. So again, you'll overlook it for them. You're holding Sony to a standard that you're not holding the other platforms to. I think it's inconsistent. I don't think it's consistent. You're saying things about Sony that you could say about Nintendo and that you could say about Xbox, but you're only singling out Sony and saying, I don't support them. Because, because why? I'm not trying to argue into supporting Sony. I'm trying to understand where the exceptions are being made and why they're being made, right? I make exceptions for my kids. When I see kids out and we're doing stuff and I see other children acting a certain way, I'm, I'm more quick to get annoyed, man. Those kids are terrible. Right, and I look at my own kids, and I'll overlook certain things. Everybody does that, right? You make exceptions. You're making exceptions. You're like, "Well, I, it's, yeah, it's fine that Xbox did that in the past, or yeah, it's fine that Xbox doesn't really have a great refund policy either." Copied from Xbox's refund policy, there are often limits on the number and type of refunds allowed, and the monetary compensation that we can provide to each purchaser in a given year. Right there, yeah, you, it's not the same as Steam. You can't just go get refunds anytime you want. In the UK, you can report the payment to your bank as fraud and the bank will refund it. I had to do this with Sony before. So you committed fraud yourself? I don't That's not a good idea at all. I went with AMD instead of NVIDIA, Zubair says, because AMD is less of an a-hole. I think that's a strong, as strong a statement I can make in AMD's favor. In 10 years, it may be going the other way. Refund games on Xbox, I play the ones I'm unsure of on Game Pass. Oh, if they were all doing those things in the same time, then yeah, they are all bad, but PlayStation was the one doing it most recently about products I actually interacted with, and I never have to refund games on Xbox. Okay, got it, you were doing two statements. It depends where you live, Lono. Different countries have different consumer laws. Well, we've kind of gone way off the rabbit trail. I think it's related to... It's tangentially related to time exclusivity and exclusives and and what's good for the consumer or bad for the consumer, right? I argued earlier, I think that consumers currently are not properly protected. We should be able to refund anything we buy digitally within a certain time frame. We should not be able to wield it and and ha- and cause unto un- undue harm to companies but I think we should be more protected than we currently are. When I download a game digitally, bought it, 70 bucks, and I play it, and it's not good, it's broken, or it's buggy, I should be able to go click a button and say, nope, miss me with this. I want my money back. Sick shirt, Lono. Thank you, Cody Biscuits, for 14 months. If you guys like the Mastervania, the He-Man shirt that I'm wearing, it comes from Ripped Apparel. You can go to bit.ly forward slash Reforge Ripped. There's a link in the description below, or you can use the shirt command. 
and DK Beggar bumps the line. We got 35 out of 50 members today. It is a holiday, so if you feel like shooting some fireworks off with members, go for it. I currently owe you guys five members. I give back every 25. I give five back to the company to say uh, to the to the community to say thank you. I never have to re uh, fun games on Xbox. Sunglass flip on. <laughs> um. This point's valid. I just don't want more big daddy government regulation. It's always a fine line, right? Like when people actually stop throwing mud in my face and listen to my position on the Activision Blizzard deal, I always say, I don't like lots of regulation. I also don't like lots of consolidation. I dislike them equally. Too much regulation's bad. Too much consolidation's bad. You gotta find a happy place in the middle. I think... It's not an overreach for the government right now to say consumers are not properly protected. Harm to consumers is happening on a regular basis at a grand scale. Games sell in large quantities for high dollar amounts. And many times those games run poorly and are then subsequently not completed or played by the consumer. That needs to be protected against with refund policies we should be able to refund those items within a certain given amount of time for bigger games it should be two hours for smaller games it should be one hour i believe that cloud strife was six months i feel the refund policy should be similar to the game trials time frames play the game for two hours if you like it you're locked in if not refund it right right it's up to you to kind of watch the clock and make sure you don't exceed the two hour limit we had stronger return policies these games would not come out broken R- exactly Zubair guys do you think and this is where you'd be protected as a consumer do you think Jedi Survivor would have taken those extra months that the director said they could take if there was good refund policies in place you better believe it he wouldn't have pushed that game out he wouldn't have pushed that game out he would have said we're gonna get re- everybody's gonna refund it it doesn't run well He was allowed to do something that caused harm to the consumer because you have no protections. That's the point I'm making. Lazaro with nine months. Hey, Lono, please grow back the beard. You look younger than me now, and I can't have that. Glad to be watching live today. Thank you, Lazaro. I appreciate that. Solemn says, oh, where is it? Where is it? Lono, also, again, I preface all those comments with being my own experience with Sony. Not that everyone else should feel that way or have that same experience or have had that same experience. If other people love them, more power to them. Right, and I get it, Solemn. I get it. Your own personal experience has led you to this point. I I can't argue against that. I just was pointing out that I don't think you're consistent. I think your personal experience has caused a very strong bent and bias, and that bent and bias is so strong that I don't feel you're consistent in your position. Lono could be a great ally in government to push for good policies for modern gaming. No, I would never run for office. No. They can't afford me. (laughs) Be interesting to see how many people refunded on Steam. I know, I wish we could see that, Cliffo. I wish we could. Because it's got like a 68% on Steam. That tells me a lot of people refunded. That's a low score. For that game especially. 
My position has always been we've got to choose for ourselves what we will support and we should try to respect others' choices too. Right. I can respect where Solemn is coming from, but like, yep, I get it. Sony did stuff, ticked you off, and you said, all right, I'm out of here. I don't want to support your company anymore. That's fine. That's totally fine. It's just that you're overlooking it when the other companies do it because it didn't affect you, right? They had, they did it in the past, but it didn't affect you. You weren't, you weren't on their platform back then, or maybe you weren't gaming on their platform back then, right? You can look that up. Can you look up the refund reports of games? That would be interesting to see Jedi Survivor's performance on refunds. I do have a bias. I main Xbox, but have always bought and played PlayStation consoles and exclusives as well. That and my bad experience and taste with Sony led me to being a Sony hater. I tried to take a totality of D behavior into the analysis for myself. (laughs) What do you think about Sony and how they handle exclusives? So today, let me give you guys a little bit of a recap. I think the leaks from PlayStation, they had those documents that were not properly redacted. I actually think the cost of Horizon Forbidden West and The Last of Us Part Two it led me to a prediction where I said and argued today, uh, I think there's going to be more timed exclusives coming forward. I think they're more economically sound. I think you'll see a rise in timed exclusives. I also think you're going to see a rise in exclusivity through acquisition. I think that's also coming. I think the content war is coming. The buying war is coming. And Activision Blizzard kind of started it, and these documents are kind of bringing it all to the surface. Sometimes I have to think about Lono's points or questions. Some make more sense to me later on. I mean, I, I do my best to, to, to argue ex- as exhaustively as I can and make my points about as clear as I can, but, you know, sometimes you got to ruminate on it a little bit, right? Somebody said something... What is it? I thought I... Oh, there it is. I want Sony to cancel Project Q. I don't see it being as successful as it could be if a true... as a true handheld console. I think Project Q is going to be very successful. I think they'll be uh, very, very successful. And I think it's their foothold into dabbling in the cloud. Reforge, I totally disagree with all of social media today. You don't need to type in all caps, by the way, Ted. If you buy a game, it's on you. I bought games based on box art in the mid-80s. Gamers are so spoiled. No, I disagree. I don't think the impetus is on the consumer to make sure something works before buying it. That's not on you. When you go buy a blender from Target, it's in the box, homie. You get it home and buttons don't work. What, were you supposed to consult reviews first? Go find some YouTuber. What's up, guys? Got a brand new blender. You know me. I love to review kitchen appliances. And this one sucks balls. Like, you're not... that. The impetus is not on you to do all that. There's a reasonable expectation that when an item is brought to market, it's ready for consumption or use. That that's a reasonable expectation as the consumer and being protected against buying something that doesn't work. Imagine doing that. You take the blender back to Target and you're like, yeah, these buttons don't work. And he's like, idiot, you should have watched the reviews. You should have done more research. You should have used social media and Instagram, you moron. You'd have known those buttons didn't work. You get to keep it. Do your research, a blender is different? No, untrue. How is it different? 
Explain to me how a video game coming to market and not working properly is different than any other product that comes to market and is expected to work properly. How is a video game different? If you bought a DVD from Target and you put it in your DVD player and it skipped the whole time and you missed segments of the movie and the audio was cutting out. Yeah, impetus is on you, bro. You're supposed to do some research. There's known problems with that particular movie on DVD for whatever reason. You can't refund it. You got to keep it. What? What happened to bring this topic up? Because we were talking about the potential rise in exclusivity, we started talking about what is anti-consumer and what is not. And I basically said that pro-consumer is a misnomer. I think anti-consumer is often a misnomer. It's like there's no such thing. It, there's no such thing as a company that's pro-consumer. They're pro-profit. If they've convinced you that they're pro-consumer, you're a sucker. And you're, and you're just a means to an end to them getting profit. They've won your loyalty to the degree that you cheer for them. And you say, they're pro-consumer. You're a sucker. You fell for their marketing. That's the entire design's choice. is To get you to be loyal to them to that degree. Why? Because they want your money. They're pro-profit. They're pro-growth. They're not pro-consumer. No company is. There's no such thing. That, we got on this subject, and we got on the subject of not being able to refund digital items is anti-consumer. We're not protected in the way that we should be. That's how we got here. Do you recommend a good blender, though? My wife uses a ninja, and she loves it. The implied warranty of merch merchantability is a merchant's basic promise that the goods sold will do what they are supposed to do and there is nothing significantly wrong with them, says Zubair. Two, in other words, it's an implied promise that the goods are fit to be sold. Right, that is, that's totally reasonable. It's almost like we've litigated and argued and settled on a bunch of this over hundreds of years and what is happening now with a lot of games is outside the norm. That's exactly the point that I'm making. That's exactly right. You don't understand, Lona. You just need faith in our corporate overlords. Unless the game is officially uh, labeled as a beta, the expectation for it to be in a completed state is uh, uh, if, if listed as a full product. Yeah, I think it's fair to expect it to work. That's exactly right. I think that's why Steam uh, games are starting to do the early access thing. People... People are a little bit more forgiving of its early access, right? After Jedi Survivor on the PS5, Respawn won't get any of my money in the future. Still screen tearing, uninstalled. It's so bad, Belly Boy. I People that are like, I didn't notice it. They must have played on quality mode. Even on quality mode, I saw the entire game hitching. Like, it would just, it like grabs. I just think because they're so used to 30 frames per second, they probably just don't notice it. But when you're used to fluidity, even even on quality mode, I saw the problems. <clears throat> Excuse me. What did my boy get? Oh, that is adorable. They're getting these, there's these stuffies you can get that you can put in the microwave. They're called warm pals. And they need new ones because they're kind of old. So they get kind of, they kind of start to stink. And uh, my daughter got a husky last night. She loves huskies. And she wants an Alaskan Klee Klee or Klee 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 Klee, however you say it. She wants one so bad. I'm like, no, we are not getting a dog. And um, my son got a spider. I just got the email. I was like, he's gonna need to get another one too. 
Uh, they told you, Lona, to turn on VRR. He didn't think that was funny. It wasn't funny, because I already had VRR turned on, and it doesn't help. Helps a little bit. Grifty says, I agree they should work day one, but I disagree that games and appliances are not equal in your analogy. Oh, you disagree that they're equal? What do you mean? How are they not equal? In my analogy, I'm saying I buy something and expect it to work. If it doesn't work, I'm able to get my money back. That's it. I'm not going any further than that. The analogies aren't that deep. Some of you guys try to teach, treat analogies like, you know, like a Stephen King novel. It's not that deep. It's not that thick, man. It's just a simple analogy to show in virtually every other sector of the market, if I buy something and it doesn't work, I get my money back. Video games is like the only area where that's just allowed. Yeah, it's, it, we're, we're going to fix that later. Yeah, yeah. An appliance can't be updated two months later. Again, you're going too deep, Thrifty. The, the purpose of the analogy is to show I am protected as a consumer. When I buy an item, it should work. That expectation is fair. To to say, well, the, well, it can be updated. I don't care. I gave you my money today. I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal, Respawn. Give me my money back. And then you can charge my card when the game's complete. How's that sound? You're just loaning me the game. Because it's not ready. It's broken. So until it runs right... You don't get my money. That seems fair to me. You have my money today. If I'm not going to get the completed product for another couple of months, then I don't. you don't get my money for another couple of months. That seems fair, doesn't it? You have my money now. Oh, well, we, we'll fix it. We'll fix it later. Then charge me later. That seems fair. That value transmission seems logical to me. Access to a remedy does not obviate the harm. That's exactly right. I still gave you money and got a bad product. I'm not protected from that, even if you fix it later. Lona, what did I miss? I've been drowning in phenomenal exclusives. I've been loving Final Fantasy 16 and Synapse. I got I I, I want to play Synapse so bad I bought it. Sorry I've not been here. What game uh what games though? So good. Sony's got a great eye on talent for games. More, please. I do think Sony is very, very good at fostering talent. I mean, we're able to ask for a refund after up to two hours of play on Steam. You think they could extend that? No. Here's the thing, Thrifty. You're, you're on the tail end of the discussion, so you missed some of the stuff we already talked about. That's totally fine. I don't, I don't expect you to, like, rewind. We already dealt with that. You, you get, like, partial refunds... You're not guaranteed the refund. You, you you can't even do it all the time. On Steam, as long as I stay under two hours, I get my money back if I don't like the game. Every time. Every single time. That's not true on PlayStation. That's not true on Xbox. The nap stream, please and thank you. We might start doing that for members just so we can have some gameplay, but gameplay doesn't do all that well here, especially VR gameplay. Valiant says, The game being in working order is implicit, but have we reached a point where journalists should start asking them if the game will work properly explicitly? Yeah, I, that's the challenge, Valiant, is a lot of the times 
the press is playing a version of the game that like we're gonna get a day one patch like it the whole thing is super complicated The, the easiest solution is just to protect consumers I should be able to go press a button as long as I've not exceeded two hours on a big game like Jedi Survivor, as long as I've not exceeded two hours, I should go press a button. Give me my freaking money back. Take this game off my system. I don't want it. I should be able to do that. Smaller games, one hour. Smaller games, you know, something like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a game. Like the first Ori, little indie titles. Yeah, one hour. You know, you play for 45 minutes, you're like, it's kind of janky, this doesn't feel very good, it's kind of buggy, whatever, give me my money back. I don't want this. You take it back. I think the Aaron Greenbergs of the world going out there and taking pictures with their favorite influencers is bringing a level of toxicity to gaming that never existed before. What? Why? He seems like a nice guy who sent a really bad tweet a while ago about standard output being 60 and all that, but I don't feel like he's sowing toxicity by engaging with content creators. Kind of a weird take. Did they not just turn around and say we never promised no bugs? Where is the working state of the game stated explicitly? Well, and I think that's where what Zubair said. There's a reasonable expectation that when it's brought to market, it will work. So as I said, if you bought a microwave, microwaves basically have like, you know, little computers in them now and touchscreens and all this stuff. If, if you bought a microwave and some of the features just didn't look, work right and were messing up, but, you know, some of the times it worked and some of the times it didn't, and you could connect it to Wi-Fi and like download firmware updates that would fix it. I still have a right to take it back and say, this is an estate that I feel is unworthy of my purchase. I would like my money back. I also think you should just be able to get a refund if you don't like it. If you don't like it, right? You buy an item, you bring it home. It doesn't quite do what you think it would do. We got a game, me and my kids... We were, you know, we've been big into board games recently. We've been playing the one Descent that Cat sent. It's awesome. You literally build out s- scenes and platforms and dungeons, and you move through. And the iPad tells you what to do. It's an RPG, and you move, put bad guys on the board. It's, it's just awesome. Okay, and our our weapons are leveling up. It's so cool. We got a Pictionary game where you hold a physical pencil. It's like a big pencil. And you have a, uh, an iPhone camera looking at you, and you you draw stuff, okay? It worked fine, but it wasn't very fun. It, we, we, it, was just, it just didn't work very well for us, okay? It wasn't broken. We didn't have fun with it. We thought, this isn't very good. This isn't really an enjoyable game. We took it back and got our money back. It, it, it's a subjective experience. I should be able to be like, ah, I didn't like this. Give him money back. You know? This isn't very good. Play Earth Defense Force? No. Like a thing is a consumer-friendly policy. The microwave doesn't make my food hot is a more basic issue. 
In retail, that protection is generally enshrined in law, and if not, the retailer generally protects themselves with their own return policies. Did we fail as consumers by not asking for that with games? I'm asking for it now is what I'm saying. (laughs) Online games should be a legal contractual warranty that clearly outline the conditions of returns like literally anything else, says Gilly. Right. Lono, Amazon, Google, if they start buying, they'll ruin gaming. I don't think they have the power to ruin gaming. I don't think it's that dire. I ask because it has co-op. I'm actually not familiar with that game. Did you? My wife has. She, we, the kids were doing something, and they found these in the house. She has a Game Boy Color and a Game Boy Advance. She was at a she was at a game once, or was working, or something, and they were like, nobody ever comes back for stuff and lost and found. So we cleared every night. But she inherited a long, long time ago when she was like a teenager. She inherited a Game Boy Color and a Game Boy Advance. And thank goodness they don't run on proprietary batteries; they run on double A's. So if they ran on proprietary batteries, it'd be nothing we could do. And the Game Boy Color has Pokemon Blue in it. And I was like, I played Pokemon Blue. My Game Boy Color wasn't purple. Mine was teal. And um, and the Game Boy Advance has... I forget the name of it now. War Tactics or something. I forget the name of it. Um, yo, Patrick Q gifted a membership, taking us to 37 three away from the layup of 40 thank you so much and they were geeking out last night playing these old games on Game Boys they were geeking out it was funny it was really funny I had to clean the one because batteries got left in it it almost we almost couldn't get it to work my daughter was like very, very invested. She's like, is it going to work? Is it going to work? I'm like, I'm trying, girl. I'm doing my best. When you buy a game currently, even a physical copy, you are only buying a license. The terms of that license are heavily stacked against you. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Advanced SP, best handheld. I don't know what my son's playing. I can't remember the name of it. Reckon if I drop PS5 Pro details, Microsoft will also use that in their case. <laughs> Tommy Handy knows. After that Q got confirmed, he said, he's like, y'all still doubt me on the PS5 Pro? I'm telling you. People doubted the Q. I said, I think it's real. Now, now he's telling him. He's like, listen, you doubted me about the Q. You still doubt me about the PS5 Pro? It's coming. It's coming. There is no PS5 Slim coming. They're going to unify the SKU so that you can only buy a PS5 digital version, and if you want an external drive, it'll be a separate purchase. It'll help them uh, streamline production, lower their own costs, and hit their projections for market saturation of the PS5. There is no Slim coming. We get our money back for a bad movie? I mean... If you buy a movie or rent a movie or something and you get, you know, 30 minutes in and you're like, this is terrible. I want my money back. I could see that being arguable. But if you get all the way to the end of it, I that's like eating an entire meal and saying, I, I didn't like this. If you take one bite of something and you're like, There's, this is awful. Most restaurants will take it back and not charge you. 
if you take a single bite, you're like, this is off. This is terrible. If you eat the whole meal, they're, they're going to be like, no, uh-uh. Can't get your money back. You ate it all. Stop capping. What do you mean? Capping about what? I'm not sold on Rise of Ronin. Seller Blade has my attention. The assets, though, are weird. I'll let it slide because of the art. You know what's going to be an interesting discussion going forward? Uh, is... Can we get a couple more likes? We should have 400 likes by now. I haven't been asking for likes that much this stream. Uh, make sure you guys have smashed that like button. It helps this video find more people. This has been a really fun conversation. I just kind of made this one up. I was like... Based on this stuff, I, I think we're going to see more uh, time exclusivity and exclusives. Um, I think the ongoing discussion about next-gen games is really going to get hung up on photorealism. I don't think people necessarily understand that art style will make a game look a certain way, but that doesn't mean that it's not next-gen. Does that make sense? I, I worry that we're going to get hung up on, on photorealism going forward. I felt like that happened with you know Final Fantasy 16 recently. I think it's going to probably happen with Avowed. Um, some of those criticisms might be valid of Avowed. I don't think it looks very next-gen. Um, it just depends. Size and scope and art style, you know? Rise of Ronin is Team Ninja. That's all I need to know. Yeah, I don't tend to like Team Ninja games um, because of they're just so fast. Whether it's um, Wolong or Neo, they're just not my cup of tea. Sekiro is about as fast as I can. It's about as fast as I can take it. You know, I it's it's difficult. I just it's difficult for me to like anything, you know, beyond beyond that. Starts to starts to feel. It's just—it's hard. I couldn't tell in the Wolong demo if why I was being successful and while I was failing. I was like, "This is too fast for my preferences." I just didn't like it. I got my money back from a theater when my dad tried to take me to see Narnia, and the security harassed the f out of us during the movie. Why? Why they mess with you during the movie? That doesn't make any sense. Beautiful photorealistic games are like Marvel movies. You like to see it from time to time, but they're not your favorite movies. Rise seems like it'll be easier than those games. Maybe. I think you'd fall in love with Neo. I don't know. Sounds like Lono needs a better gaming chair. (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. Guys, as a reminder... I'm going to be here all this week and all of next week, okay? I will be here all of this week and all of next week. July 17th to the 21st, I will be out of town. I'll probably make that a timer that hits every once in a while. Um, let's go here. What the? I hate that. You guys ever do that? You highlight the box of text. You go too far, it like closes the window. Lono will be out of town from July 17th to 21st. Dreams will resume on July 24th. 
Lona will be out of town from July 17th to the 21st. Streams will resume on the 24th. Admit. Turn that timer. And we'll set it to 10. Do you think the cause and effect of PlayStation consistently winning third-party time exclusives is why Xbox decided to start buying up third parties? Yes, I believe it was a response to that. Phil Spencer said that one of the impetus for buying ZeniMax was that they they heard Starfield was going to go exclusive. And I don't know if it was, you know, timed or whatever. Stop liking my Twitter post and get back to work. Why are you... <laughs> I'm just bringing the same energy you brought this morning, that's all. Uh, but I definitely think that that's where I see the two strategies diverging. I think PlayStation's going to leverage the fact that they have lots of consoles in circulation, okay? That they have a really, really good ecosystem to build for, and they have a consumer base that loves to buy games at 70 bucks. I think Microsoft's going to leverage their checkbook, and they'll just start buying up publishers and studios if microsoft successfully gets activision blizzard they're going to set their sights on more companies it's going to be a lot easier to buy a a, a smaller publisher and smaller studio if you successfully get activision blizzard what's the argument going to be you 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 just let them spend 70 billion i mean what what's the what who cares if they go buy somebody smaller you know there's no argument there That's all. I did. Just, I that I see. That's where the two strategies diverging. I think exclusivity, time exclusivity, first party, third party, all of that. We're headed. We're we're headed to a content war. I, I you know, and it, we're we're headed to a a buying war. I think that's where we're going. Which upcoming time exclusive are you excited for? Silent Hill two, Helldivers two, Death Stranding two, Cellar Blade, Rise of Ronin, Final Fantasy seven. Um, out of all of those, I would probably say Helldivers two looks like a fun romp. You know, like a weekend, crack some beers, kill some aliens kind of a game. I think we need more of those games. Here's where I think the biggest challenge lies for, you know, hey, boot up and play. You know, boot up and shoot some aliens, right? I think there's a challenge there. Because they're commonly going to be viewed as a live service game. They're commonly going to be viewed as a this is a game forever game. We need ongoing monetization. We need ongoing structures in place. Right? And I think that's a mistake. I think the mistake would be to say well, yeah, you know, Helldivers needs all these monetization, all all this, that, and the third... And I think that's one of the challenges right now is if you want to make a really fun game like that, I think it's really, really hard to pull off. I think it's extremely hard to say, we're going to bring this game to market and it's going to be like a multiplayer shooter online game and everybody's going to expect it to go on for forever. Slightly off topic, but I think I'm burned out on open world games. I'm going to try city builders and puzzle games for a bit. I started Red Dead Redemption 2 and thought it was beautiful, and I'm ready to love these characters, but I don't have the energy for this. 
Zubair, I've heard really good things about the Talos Principle, and it's a PS Plus game right now. The sequel uh, the, uh, to Talos Principle looks really, really good. Also, if you have not downloaded the Viewfinder demo, oh my gosh, do that. That game is special. Viewfinder special. I, I've, I've, my wife and I took turns. You know, we, one would solve the puzzle, and then we'd pass a controller back and forth the other night, and I, it was remarkable. I can't wait for the full game. It's I'm very, very excited for that. Those would be two to check out right now. Now, Final Fantasy 16 doesn't really have the open world feel. I was actually thinking about that thrifty. I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 16 the other night, and do you know what I thought to myself? I thought, I'm glad this is not open world and pretty linear. I just get to enjoy it. I go talk to some people. I see a cool cutscene. I get to, you know, crush a little bit on Sid. And then I go get in some awesome fights. And everything just sort of moves forward. I get to just, you know, play the video game. I don't have to be like, wait, where am I? Where am I going? Oh, it's all the way over there. Oh, there's a bunch of side quests. Maybe I should grab those. Oh, maybe no. It's just very, very straightforward. There's, I think, there's something intangible and valuable there. You know, I think open world games are great. They have their place. I love Ghost of Tsushima. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I hope the second one's great. You know, I'm looking forward to you know Assassin's Creed Red. But I also feel that, you know, sometimes it's good just to have a nice linear game that doesn't have the, the edges of the map, you know, exceeding beyond this fog of, oh my gosh, where, where am I going to go? If the ABK deal goes through, does Microsoft buy another big company or do they go quiet for a while? I think they will. I think they have other game, other other game companies they want to buy. I think there's other publishers and developers that they want to get. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I actually, speaking of Final Fantasy, I have a premiere today. Somebody said that Final Fantasy 16 is the game that God of War Ragnarok should have been, and uh, it's going to be our premiere today. We're actually going to go to that premiere in about 15 minutes, and so you guys have a little bit of time. You have a little bit. Of, you have a little bit of time to uh, to hit hit the next milestone. When we get over to this premiere, I'll give you guys ten members. That's in about fourteen minutes. So you have a little bit of time. I'm actually going to schedule it now. There will not be a member stream today, though, because of the holiday. I need to end a little early today so I can plan for tomorrow uh, and then go enjoy some time with friends. So, if you want to push the number to fifty, be sure to do that very quickly. Second square? No, they're not going to be able to get square. But I think they, I think they have their sight set on. Uh, I do think they have their sight set on uh, Sega. I think that's very likely. It's very possible. Content is key in streaming. Xbox is going into streaming. What do you mean by streaming? You mean like cloud? And we almost have 400 likes, guys. Make sure you smash that like button. We only need 13 more. You guys are crushing it today. For being a holiday and being a made-up topic, man, I'm, I'm very pleased with the turnout today. I wasn't sure where we were going to land. I appreciate it very much. Hmm. 
this deals like pennies to Microsoft. The question is, who's next on the block? Yeah, I don't know. They had their eyes set on Square too. I don't think they'll get them though. I don't think Square would do it. Mm-mm. Square would have economic. They'd have economic reasons to decline that purchase. They would be able to say no to that. It would be destructive to what they do. Their games would never sell well or perform well on 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 Xbox. They they skip Xbox and Xbox skips them. Like Xbox doesn't even try to get those games. Everybody, you know, cries and complains about it, but it's it's a matter of public record that Microsoft doesn't pursue those games. They just don't have the chance to and they they allow themselves to get outbid why because they know those games have no value to them they wouldn't recoup the cost yo belly boy's gonna push it to 42 42 members on the day we need eight more thank you so much belly pushing it with five more gifteds if they have all this money why not just buy sony they can't do that japanese government sets it up so that's not possible there are certain companies where they cannot be purchased because the number of shareholders uh, makes that an impossibility. So a lot of Japanese-owned companies cannot be purchased by a foreign a foreign company. They are they're protected against that. So without Sony, the economy will suffer everywhere. I don't think Sony's going anywhere. There is no members chat today. No Brooklyn. I gotta after this premiere hits. I gotta bail. Because I need time to sketch out a monologue and plan for tomorrow. I'm going to a 4th of July thing at like 4 o'clock. So typically I hang out with you guys until like 2. I can't do that today. I, I won't have any time to get anything done. I thought it was a national security thing. There's a lot of different levels to it, Zuby. There are some companies that could be purchased by a foreign company... But most Japanese companies cannot be. They, they set it up to where that's not possible. Some of it's national security. Some of it's just we, we don't want our businesses uh, to have to be exposed to that uh, potential reality. So they, they set things up to where that's not possible with shareholder percentages being at, um, a majority being Japanese citizens. I'm giving a very brief flyover. I, I've, I've not... I've not uh, done like a thesis on this and done extensive research but we looked into it it's not possible certain tech companies can't be acquired not sure if Sega's under that umbrella yeah yeah because I think Sega would be a good purchase from Microsoft they struggle in the in the the Japanese market and I think Sega could help them with that. The Asian market is key. According to according to, to Phil Spencer, it's critical to success. So critical. And Sega would be a a way a way to uh, put themselves into a better position. Yo, I got hosted by Junya. 19 viewers coming over. Thank you so much, Junior. That's a cool name. Junior. Thanks for following the channel as well. I uh, I stream on YouTube as well as Kick, so I appreciate you bringing your people over. T-Y-T-Y. No problem. 
I'm gonna check you out here. What do we got? It says that your Twitter account doesn't exist. You might want to check that banner. It doesn't seem to be working. Thank you so much for coming over. I just left my own chat behind. I didn't know that was gonna happen. Yikes! Yeah, check on that. I was gonna check. I was gonna check you out. Uh, Sony will pass on a pro model. The content war is in focus. Prices going up uh, up on hardware. Development cycles pushed. Why split the user base? I mean, the, the pro is coming. So that's not a debate worth having. If you think the pro is not coming, I, people said the same thing about the Q. So it's just, there's no reason to spend time on something that we have very firm confirmation that it exists. So... And we're eight away from the 50 goal, and we're eight minutes away from heading over to this premiere. Everybody that came over with the Junior Raid over there on Kick, thanks so much for doing that. Consider hitting follow. I do a daily variety talk show like this where we take a topic. Today we're talking about there were some PlayStation leaks uh, that came out, some redacted documents that were not so redacted, and the cost of Horizon Forbidden West budget and the Last of Us 2 budget. I actually basically argued that I think you're going to see more time exclusivity coming forward because it keeps projects smaller in scope and cost, and it's uh, it's more economical, more profitable, which seems weird to say limiting where you land would be more profitable, but that's uh, that's something that I think is happening. <clears throat> I remember there were sales numbers for Square title that I can't remember show small sales on Xbox, so maybe they deemed it not worthy. Yeah, they don't do that hot. I mean, it... it Quickfire, five reasons the ABK deal will be a pain in the butt for Xbox. It'll be... Uh, it'll require a massive amount of oversight that they're currently not so good at. They proved that with Redfall. They proved that with Halo Infinite. I think Microsoft's oversight over their teams and their creative process are terrible. I think they'll gut a lot of the studios and shut them down uh, to immediately lower operating costs to help with recouping costs of the merger. They'll shutter a lot of projects. They'll probably merge some of the smaller studios with some of the bigger studios for QA. These are all things that don't benefit the consumer. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think of some others that, yeah, those are a handful of things that I think are immediately going to be bad for all of us. When the unified skew happens, you're going to believe then. I know, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, doubting Tom Henderson on the hardware front with the PlayStation is just kind of comical. Everybody did that with the with the, with the PlayStation Q. They're like, it's not real. There's no way it's real. And, and then it was real. And then when it got confirmed, he literally tweeted. He's like, you guys doubted me on the Q. You, you still doubt me on the PS5 Pro? And he just said today, he could drop stats about it if he wanted to. He's pretty reliable. A $5 Super Chat tip from Liquid. I don't think the user base would be split for a PS5 Pro. No, they wouldn't. I think people who already own a PlayStation 5 would buy a Pro, they'd upgrade. And that level of upgrade is not going to cause any kind of a split. If rumors are to be believed, it will be accelerating ray tracing. It will likely also make uh, performance modes run better. It will, you know, it will help with the things that matter, right? It's not going to be suddenly a massively different system. You heard of a slim model from the same source? False. Not true. That's not true. Tommy Hendy never said there was a slim. He said there was a version coming out that would unify the skew, and there would no longer be one with the disc, and that the external disc would be the option. That's all coming. 
people thought it was a slim and it wasn't that's kind of how leaks work sometimes kind of how leaks work like they thought it was a slim it wasn't a slim it turned out to be a unified diskless skew that will then lead to an external disk drive as well it's not it's not a uh, it's not a slim though Guys, in four minutes, we're going to go to this premiere about Final Fantasy is apparently the game that God of War Ragnarok should have been. It's a review that I read through. It's different than the review I read the other day, right? There was a review the other day where they they basically disliked Final Fantasy 16 a lot. And uh, this one's quite a bit different. They like Final Fantasy 16 so much that they're saying they think it's something. It's, it's the approach that Ragnarok should have taken. I'm going to gift you guys five members when we get over there. We are eight away from 50. If we hit 50 members today, I'll have to gift 10. I owe five every 25. Those of you that are watching on Kick, you can come over to my YouTube channel, Reforge Gaming, if you want to watch this. What's a unified SKU? SKU, SKU. It's essentially saying, instead of having a digital version and a disc version, okay, you're going to have one version that's just digital only. So it'll make it more effective for them to produce, make, and ship the PlayStation 5 because they're only going to be making one type going forward until they make the Pros. Another reason the Pros probably happening. Why would you need to unify your SKU? Why would you need to streamline production? You're freeing up production likely to make the PS5 Pros. Uh, that'll drive cost of the, the PS5 down. That'll make it to where they could potentially then prepare for the price drop because the PS5 will likely drop in price when the Pro hits. So you're you're able you're able to do both. That sounds so dumb, though. Why? Why does that sound dumb? Why does streamlining your production to maximize distribution and hit market saturation projections? Why is that dumb? If you had to pick up a publisher, who do you think would make the most sense for Sony? I mean, they can't afford them, but Take-Two would be the best fit, but I don't think they can afford them. They'd be the perfect fit, in my mind. So, alright, two minutes. Two minutes, and we're going to this premiere. Let me get the link for you guys. Make sure you guys have smashed like on this stream as well. We got over 400 likes. Really solid turnout for a holiday. We do have a lot of worker lurkers that were probably not working today. They're gearing up for the 4th with, you know, cookouts and fireworks. Make sure you guys are safe if you're doing any of that kind of stuff, right? Make sure you're, you know, being careful and not, you know, don't do silly things with fireworks. It's not worth it and never is. People lose their lives and their fingers just being goofy, all right? Be careful. I'm going to send you guys to this video in two minutes. If you guys gift members during the premiere, I'll also honor what I owe you. When we get over there, I'm going to gift you guys five Uh, If we snag eight more in the next 60 seconds, I will have to gift you 10, and you can still make good on that over there as well if you guys want to keep it going. Those of you that are watching over there on Kick, if you enjoyed this talk show, make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss my streams in the future. I do multicast, so I stream on YouTube, and I stream on Kick. Thanks for watching. Head over to YouTube slash Reforge Gaming if you want to come watch this premiere about Final Fantasy 16. All right, I shut that stream down. Okay, I am going to spam a link in chat if I have not set up redirect yet and I probably should 
go. Perfect. Hadn't set up redirect yet. I'm going to spam a link in chat. If redirect doesn't work, okay, you can click the link in chat or it will be the featured video on the YouTube channel. I'll be over there in the chat with you guys hanging out and gifted members. Thank you guys so much. Have a great 4th of July. I think you're going to enjoy this Final Fantasy 16 video because this person likes the game so much they actually think that this is the approach that God of War Ragnarok should have taken. So let's head over to this premiere and uh, appreciate you guys so, so much. I'll see you over there. Thanks so much for watching today and I'll, uh, I'll see you over there in the premiere and tomorrow.